This is the final Around the Nest, Jay talking our way around the Blue Jays organization for the 2018 season. Thank you very much for joining us. I'm Jesse Goldberg Strassler. Follow us on Twitter at Around Nest. Virtually every week over the course of the year, either me or the minor leaguer has helped promoting it, letting you know what's going on around the minor league organization. And this week we wrap it all up and we start things up with the voice of the Bluefield Blue Jays, Zach Helton. Zach, your season came to an end. It was a pretty good year, though. It was a tremendous year, Jesse. It was so much fun being in Bluefield this this summer. Uh, I think I'd mentioned it before. You never quite know what you're going to get, especially at the lower levels. Uh, you know, who did we pick up in the draft or who's coming out of college hot? But uh, what a team Bluefield had this summer. It just came up a little short, but it was uh, a fun summer nonetheless. Who is your most valuable position player for the season? Who I tell you, uh, Cal Stevenson raked in the outfield. He played tremendous. Dom Avedesa covered center field uh, as as well as anyone. Luis De Los Santos was uh, a steadfast at shortstop. Uh, Alejandro Kirk, when he wasn't mashing home runs from the DH slot, he was doing a great job behind the plate catching. Uh, you know, there's so many to to mention, I, I'd, I'd hate to get into uh, the whole roster, but they all played very well this summer, and uh, one of the best parts about it was the younger guys, they grew right in front of my eyes. It was, you know, one guy would kick a baseball and make an error, and the next ball hit at him, he fielded it perfectly, and, you know, they they did a great job of not dwelling on the past and moving ahead, and, and, and you saw that in the record, nonetheless. I don't think there was uh, maybe one or two games they lost in a row, if uh, if any losing streaks whatsoever. And uh, they did a great job of taking two out of three or three out of five. And uh, they just kept rolling. And uh, it, it was a fun young group. And I think they're going to go uh, into the fall league, a few of them, and, and better themselves. And um, I, I highly doubt seeing any of those guys again next year in Bluefield. Speaking with Zach Helton about his Bluefield Blue Jays, advanced rookie league ball in the Appalachian League. Zach, who surprised you the most this year? I, I tell you what, Alejandro Kirk, uh, I think not only surprised me, but surprised everyone. He's, uh, you know, he was a power keg. And, uh, you know, his stature, you know, about 5'10", uh, you know, about 225, you know, not uh, – you know, not the the thing you see on a roster. You think, oh, this guy's a power hitting catcher, or he's a power hitting DH. But he come out and he showed early that he said, uh, "I've got a bat and I'm going to swing as hard as I can in case I hit it." And a lot of the times when he did connect, it took off. And uh, one of the home, longest home runs I've seen all year and probably ever at Bowen Field. I, I've been going to Bowen Field and watching the Bluefield Orioles and Bluefield Blue Jays for years at Bowen Field, and he hit one of the longest home runs I've ever seen there over the center field fence, and I would estimate that about 430, But it wasn't just that. He had a solid average. He got on, and, uh, you know, despite not having much speed, he, he moved great around the base paths and did a great job of getting runners in, and he was among the league leaders in RBIs, and uh, he was mostly a DH early on, and then a few injuries had, uh, had him going behind the plate, and he was very nimble behind the plate. Uh, I don't think many balls got by him. He was quick to his feet, threw uh, you know, a lot of runners out, and uh, he was great as a catcher as well. So Alejandro Kirk 
it definitely stands out for me as a Bluefield Blue Jay that uh, surprised me just uh, looking at the roster going into the season. How about on the pitching side? Who's your most outstanding pitcher this season? I tell you what, Eric Pardino had uh, maybe one or two bad outings all summer, and that was it. Early on, he kind of had some bad luck, didn't get the run support he needed. His record probably should be a little better, uh, but uh, he's, his strikeout numbers were always there. Uh, I think there was one outing he didn't get uh, uh, strikeouts, and uh, you know it took a no decision in that one. So Pardino, uh, the young Brazilian, he's going to be just fine. Nathaniel Perez had a great season, and uh, you can't forget about the uh, two guys who uh, did a lot of the closing this year, Sean Rakowski and Brad Wilson. Both those guys came out of the pen and threw hard and threw well and uh, finished off a lot of close ball games, and, and a few uh, they got the win uh, when the, the Jays, who <laughs> they were the cardiac kids all summer, uh, they found their way late in the ballgame to come back, and either Rakowski or Wilson were the beneficiaries of that getting a win. So, uh, you know, the entire staff did a great job. There was, a, you know, a few moments, you know, in the middle of the season when, you know, some bats went low, uh, went slow, and had some, you know, little slumps. Well, so did the pitching staff. But overall, the whole season was great by uh, the Jays pitching staff. And uh, Adam Bonero and uh, Dennis Holmberg did a great job of managing that staff and putting the right pieces where they needed to be all summer long. You mentioned them being the cardiac Jays. Were there any games that stood out specifically? Oh, you know, uh, the the last one really, it was uh, we had control most of the ball game, and I felt so so confident in that one. Uh, they had the uh, Princeton brought in uh, their second draft pick, tall lefty who threw mid nineties, and we got through him. We hit him hard and chased him out, and then we got to the bullpen, and there. Uh, their ace uh, closer came in. I thought, well, we may be in a little trouble here. And we went through him in about an inning and a half, and I said, okay, we're sitting pretty good. A uh, couple of errors, a uh, couple of wild plays in the eighth inning, got Princeton back on top, but Alejandro Kirk, aforementioned, he crushed one to the deepest part of Honeycutt Field in the top of the ninth, and it was about three feet from going out. That would have tied the ball game. And uh, who knows what would have happened then, but it – they fought all the way to the end, not only in that last game and in the season, but every game they were in. If uh, you know, if they had a chance in the eighth and the ninth, they were going out there swinging. And uh, it was so fun to watch them because they were so engaged all season long on the top of the dugout, just cheering on their teammates. It had this uh, small college uh, summer league feel to it. You know, all these guys are young kids, and they were so enthused just to be playing baseball. And you could see it uh, every night when, you know, the ball game was closed and they were on the top step, you know, waiting for their chance to uh, swing the bat or uh, get on the mound. Zach Helton on Twitter at Z underscore Helton. And it's been a pleasure listening to you describe the sounds of Appy League play all season and checking in with us to let us know the latest updates. Zach, thank you very much. Jesse, thank you so much. And from Zach. Let's move up the ladder, up to the Northwest League. Let me bring in Rob Fay, voice of the Vancouver Canadians. Rob, the season ended shy of the playoffs. What will you remember most about 2018? Uh, Jesse, first and foremost, hello. Uh, for me, what will I remember? I'll remember coming up one game short in both the first half and the second half, and then going back mm-hmm. to the 
76 games of the schedule and thinking the woulda, shoulda, couldas. For instance, taking a 5-2 lead into the bottom of the ninth in Boise and losing that one. And I know that's a glass-half-empty approach to it, but when you're looking at the development of major league players and you start down in the Northwest League and the Appalachian League and, of course, the Midwest League, you're looking for the fine details. You're looking for the guys that are willing to step up. And, you know, this year for me, uh, I continued to, even in the last week of the season, look for that one guy who was going to say, take me on your shoulders or let me go uh, bring you onto my shoulders and let's go win a couple of baseball games. And I think that for me is something that I'll remember is we just never had that one guy that could get us over the hump. Let's hand out a couple of awards. First, your most outstanding position player. Well, Otto Lopez in a walk for me. Um, Otto Lopez could play pretty much anywhere you put him. In the outfield, he was reliable. In the infield, he was fantastic. Great east-west movement. Um, Do I project him as a major leaguer? Not yet. He's a little small for me, but at the same time, he's probably got 1% or 2% body fat, and he's a kid with great instinct. So um, I think there's, you know, a possibility there. I love Griffin Conine as far as his defense goes. I think he's got a great first step in the outfield. Um, I also think he's got a fantastic arm, one of the best that I've seen in recent memory. So between Conine and Lopez, I think the uh, the Blue Jays have a bright future. All right. Most outstanding pitcher that you saw this season with Vancouver? Boy, you could go a couple of different ways. And, you know, there's no doubt that Josh Winkowski, who won the Northwest League Pitcher of the Year, not just for the Canadians, but for the entire league, has to take center stage. He kind of reminds me a little bit of Ryan Barucki as far as just the mental side of the game. Barucki and Justin Nicolino over the last several years were so tough and so competitive, and uh, he's definitely got that mental pedigree. But then I look at a guy like Joey Polito, who's five foot nine, a guy that if you're walking down the street past him, you probably wouldn't think much of him as far as a professional athlete goes. He finished our season with a zero in 13 appearances, did not give up an earned run, 95-96 on the fastball, complete surprise. And for me on that perspective, uh, those are two or three names that really resonated with me this year. And now for this question, you can answer pitcher or position player. Biggest surprise for you in 2018? I'd probably go right back to Joey Polito. I mean, again, Jesse, he's, he's no bigger than Dante. And yet when you watch him and he <laughs> just walks past you, you think to yourself, you, you wonder what concession stand he's going to be working at. And then all of a sudden he puts on a Canadian's uniform and strikes out the side. So when you're looking for surprises, we're all about prototypes and we're all about, you know, 6'2", 225s and the Jackson McClellans of the world. But for me, Joey Polito was easily the biggest surprise of 2018. Were there any games that stood out to you from the course of the summer? Yeah, I mean, I brought up the one real early, the 5-2 lead going into the bottom of the ninth. That one really stung because I think you look around at body language. And, you know, I could sit here and talk sabermetrics till I'm blue in the face. But, I mean, the reality is, is I'm also a big believer in body language and communication. And, you know, here's a Canadians team that had just lost on a walk-off grand slam from a third-rounder named Taryn Bavra out of the University of Minnesota. And it didn't look like it upset the Canadians. And as a broadcaster, it upset me. And as, you know, a guy that's been here long enough to see previous teams that would have been pissed off about that to see this team just kind of go through the motions and not really take that on their shoulders as a, you know, oh my God, we got to be better. That really told me a lot about this team. Now that was at the midway point of the season, but I just never saw this team get over the hump and get this kind of chip on their shoulder that I think if you're going to win a championship needs to happen. Speaking to Rob Fay about the Vancouver Canadians, let's wrap up with this about your C's. 
Who's a player or players? And it can be anyone that you've named already. You're most looking forward to seeing how they perform next year. Uh, I want to see Griffin Conine take the next step. I mean, he's a second-rounder. He's a blue-chip prospect. He's got the pedigree. He's another name that, of course, follows the name of his dad. Um, But for me, there was a little laissez-faire attitude with Conine. Kind of a, well, we'll get to this tomorrow. And for me, I want to see urgency. I want to see a guy like Griffin Conine, who the Blue Jays took with a lot of money and took near the top of the rounds, and say, okay, I'm ready now. Now that the season of Duke is behind me, now that the season of the Canadians is behind me, and I've got 144 opportunities here, I want to see him take the next step. Because to me, um, as good as he was with his raw ability, I still don't think that we got to see the best of Griffin Conine. So I'm very much looking forward, and I'm very intrigued to see if he's got another gear. Because he was like a Maserati that never got out of second gear. And that, for me, I just want to see another page. Because I think he's got all the God-given talent. I just didn't see it this year, and I'm hoping that I do next year. All right, I'm writing that down. I'm looking forward to it. On Twitter, at Rob Nation. Rob, thank you for giving of your time and your insight over the course of this summer. Well, Jesse, I'll tell you what you've done to make sure that the Blue Jays fans can listen in every week and do this. Um, I say thank you to you, and I think all of us broadcasters within the organization are much better for this show. So thank you for your time, Jesse. May, my pleasure. And from Rob Fay and the Northwest League's Vancouver Canadians, let's move up the ladder to single-A Lansing. And I'm rejoined by my broadcast partner from this entire summer, Dante DeCaria. Dante, how are you? Uh, Jesse, I could be better. Just landed, or I just got back in Ottawa, a nice 10-hour drive from Lansing, and I uh, caught the flu. So it looks like I caught the flu at the right time, not during the baseball season. I've been really under the weather over the last few days, but uh, you know what? Feeling pretty good for the show. Well, let's talk. And here's what I'm asking everyone. Most outstanding position player, most outstanding pitcher, biggest surprise, and then looking back on the year as a whole. So first, for you, 2018 Lansing Lugnuts, most outstanding position player. Um, we talked about this on the broadcast in Lake County on September the 3rd when we were kind of giving out our unofficial Um, year-end awards to some of the lug nuts and I think Chavez Young has to be the most outstanding position player just because um, you know he showed all five tools on the field his arm his speed his outfield defense his range his power his contact ability Um, I know this doesn't necessarily count as a tool but ever since I was young I've always counted it as a tool in my own mind is the fact how good he is in the clubhouse you know, how he brings everybody together, how he's always loose, how he's always playing with a smile on his face. Everybody loves him. The fans love him. He's outside, you know, signing autographs 20 minutes after a loss. You know, you lose 10 nothing, and he's still up there signing autographs with kids. He's in the stands. He's given his batting gloves, his bats, his cleats, you know. And one of the reasons why he does that is because he says that when he was a, a young kid growing up, he wanted, you know, he, he remembers being that kid in the stands. So I, I know that, you know, that, I can tie that into the way that he played on the field, but uh, I think that he's the most outstanding player because, uh, or position player, just because um, he showed every single tool that we wanted. And uh, you know what? I really hope he earns himself a spot on the top 30 prospect list going into next season. I was just reading uh, Blue Jays from away today, and uh, he mentioned that um, that Chavez Young is his uh, organizational outfield all-star, and I couldn't agree more, so I think he's my guy. I love it. Uh, and it would have been nice to have Kevin Smith more than just April and into the end of May. That would have been a pleasure, yeah. although he had to go up 
most outstanding pitcher in 2018, Lansing Lugna? Um, I mean, I'm not sure if you're going to ask me about a reliever or, or a starter, but, uh, you know, even between the two, uh, I'm going to give it to Danny Jimenez, the Lugnets closer towards the end of the season. Now, Jesse, of course, we remember, and you remember I was panicking in April when he was throwing, he was sitting 85, 84, 87 miles an hour with his fastball. Didn't have anything that set up his nasty curveball that we did not really know about at the time and was shy. So we didn't really know too much about him. And he had a, a, a 30 ERA in the month of April. And by the end of May, his ERA was down to like 12. And we were still like, ah, okay, he's 24 years old. Might be a release because he hasn't shown us anything. All of a sudden, we get into the month of June. And this guy's throwing 97 miles an hour with life on his fastball. And he, and he starts learning the two-seamer. And his curveball is by far the best breaking ball in the Lugnet staff, even with the guys that were promoted. We're talking Jen Diaz, we're talking about Zach Logue and, you know, Buffo and the likes of others. He had the best breaking ball and the best fastball, and he, was, he had probably had the best command as well. Nobody could touch him. And then all of a sudden, we're like, my God, he looks like a major league reliever. You know, he just, something clicked, something, he figured something out. You know, I talked to him the other day before uh, I left Lansing, before he went back to Dominican because we lived together, and he said that going into next season, he's going to work on developing a changeup, a circle change, and a better two-seam fastball. So a four-pitch closer, you know, we're talking about two dominant pitches and then two other pitches to go along with that. I think he's definitely the pitch of the year because there was a few games that we just saw him absolutely untouchable where he goes out on the mound and then you already can pack it up. You know, he comes in for a six-out save and we're already packing our bags saying, all right, you know, let's get ready. One, two, three, one, two, three, see you later. That's it. And you know, he was just that dominant. I'm, I'm really proud of the way that he turned around his season. You know, to start with a 30-plus ERA in the month of April and finish the season with an ERA at 350 is just outstanding, absolutely outstanding. This can be either a pitcher or a position player. Who is your Lansing Lugnut's biggest surprise this season? Ooh, that's a tough one, Jesse. Um I guess in the in the month of August, I'm probably gonna have to give it to or to Jesus Navarro. I mean, he finished the season batting 289 when he was a 200 hitter in Vancouver. He he wasn't a 300 hitter last year in in Bluefield, and um, we never thought he would be close to a 300 hitter with the Lansing Lugnets. He was batting 220 um, before the start of August, and then all of a sudden he rose his average up to 290. He was walking more. He was hitting doubles. When he first came up with the Lugnuts, he was kind of a, a, a line-to-line guy, ground ball hitter, and then all of a sudden he started not only putting the ball in play a lot more, but hitting the gaps, sending it up the middle, hitting line drives into right center, left center, down the left field line, um, through the holes on the ground, like just and, and playing great defense. I mean, he showed off his infield arm. Um, one other guy that didn't really spend the whole season with the Lugnets due to injury was Cole Large. I think he was the biggest surprise for me because of, you know, how he kind of struggled a little bit in Vancouver last year, being a second baseman. And then all of a sudden he comes to Lansing, mostly a second baseman, primarily third baseman. But um, he, he was kind of off the bench a bit because the Lugnets had Kevin Smith, Acuna, Taylor, wasn't really much room for him on the field. And then those guys go down and this guy starts hitting with power from both sides of the plate, and he's almost an unbeatable, uh, unbeatable hitter. Like, pitchers could not hit, uh, pitch to him. And he went five for five in one game, and nobody would have expected 
um, him to do that. So I think um, for someone that didn't get to spend the full season at the Lugnets, he's my biggest surprise because I did not expect him to be able to do that. But, uh, I mean, one more last mention um, that guy just came to my mind, Kevin Smith. I remember the start of the season, everybody's talking about Kevin Vicuña, even the coaching staff. Vicuña's the guy. Vicuña's the guy. And no offense to Kevin Vicuña. He's a great player. Everybody's talking about Vicuña. Everybody's talking about Casey Clemens, Samad, um, you know, Christian Williams, the likes of other players, Chavez Young, Reggie Pruitt, whatever. And, and here comes Kevin Smith walking quietly into the locker room. Doesn't say a word, professional player, absolute outstanding ball player. And in the month of April, he started driving in runs. He, was, he had an RBI per game. He was hitting around 250, and in the month of May, turned around. He's going four for four. And nobody said, nobody was talking about him before the season. Nobody really knew. And I remember you and I were sitting on the bus, and you bought the um, prospect handbook. And in the prospect handbook, they had Kevin Smith behind Bo Bichette in the top shortstop rankings. And you and I looked at each other and said, oh, where's Kevin Vicuña? Why is he ranked higher? And we soon found out why. Dante DeCaria on Twitter at Diamond underscore Dante. My co-voice with the Lansing Lugnuts all summer long. Dante, feel better, okay? Hey, thanks, Jesse. I appreciate it. Love coming on this season with you. Sounds good. Likewise, rest up. Dante DeCaria with the Lansing Lugnuts. And now let's go down the ladder. And uh, maybe I should say south, we can go down to Florida, but we're going up the ladder, up to A-Advanced Dunedin. Jim Tarabokia joins me now to talk about the DJ season and 2018. Jim, how are you? Hey, buddy. How's it going? It's going well. Here's what we're doing. Most outstanding position player, most outstanding pitcher. We'll go from there. First position player, who stood out to you in 2018? Well, I think it it might surprise a lot of people, um, but... Um, Josh Palacios really uh, stood out to me with how he led the league in hits and um, how he led the league in runs batted in when uh, really the entire year he pretty much batted in the leadoff spot. And with how much he got better um, also uh, in running his routes in the outfield, he pro- he stood out to me the most. And I think the pitcher obviously that stood out the most to me was, was the Florida State League Pitcher of the Year, Pat Murphy. Um, you know, his, his curveball is really phenomenal. Uh, just watching it uh, on a daily basis every fifth day, you really come to appreciate that pitch. And it's a pitch that, you know, I think certainly is really going to uh, help him uh, as he climbs up further uh, in the, um, you know, in, in the system, but also the fact that he was able to stay healthy and, and he was durable and, um, uh, and and what is a tough league to really play in because it's so hot all the time. So, um, you know, he was, he was my standout pitcher uh, for me by far. Who's your biggest surprise this season? Uh, you know, probably a combination of Yvonne Castillo and Rodrigo Orozco. You know, he, I didn't really know much uh, about them um, coming into the year. Obviously, I knew their stories, but I didn't know uh, much about the tools they had. And they really showed that they can put together some real good plate appearances, um, that, that they can really bat from both sides and be very successful. They can score runs. They can bat anywhere in the order, especially with Yvonne Castillo. He really showed – um, how versatile he could be playing at times this year in the outfield. So uh, those two really were my, my surprise guys. Uh, you know, no no knock on them, but I did not expect um, the numbers that they put up and to be um, the two top guys at the end of the year, um, you know, the co-batting champs holding that, that title. It's, it's pretty impressive. 
This can be any of the names that you've already said, but I'm wondering who's the guy who you're most curious to see how he fares and develops in 2019. Yeah, I think that's, that would be Casey Clemens. You know, I, I want to see how, you know, uh, he, he develops. Um, you know, he's, he's shown that he has some power there and that, um, you know, he's, he's a good fielder over there at first base. He's really picked some, some tough balls that were thrown at him. Um, so he, he'd be my guy um, that I'd be most interested in seeing, um, you know, develop more and, um, and continue to develop to hit the ball to all fields. He started to do that really at the end of the year very well, you know, going gap to gap. Um, but that's something that uh, I think, um, you know, will continue to evolve along with that, that power um, that will come as well. Was there any game or any games that really stood out when you look back upon what is a very long season and a lot of games to look at, a lot of games to call, the things where you go, I'm going to remember this one? Uh, yeah, there's a couple. I remember the Brock Lundquist uh, a walk-off home run against Tampa. That was uh, that was always that's always fun, you know, when you get a walk-off. But uh, walk-off home run, and I think it was uh, late July, maybe maybe the middle of July, something around around that time. Um, you know, another game that sticks out was the fact uh, was that Sunday game. We were down nine to one, and we came all the way back um, against Charlotte and, and beat them. And I think ultimately um, that game, uh, you know, I know I'm kind of here broadly, but I think that game may have actually uh, uh, cost them a playoff spot with how things really panned out. So, um, you know, to me that those, uh, you know, those are probably the two games that, that really stick out the most. I'm really, I'm trying to think if there's any others um, that really stick out that were wins. Those are probably the, uh, you know, the two most though um, that, yeah, those are probably the two those are the ones that um, stick out to me the most. Here's how interesting the dominoes are. Because Dunedin denies Charlotte the playoffs, Charlotte sends yeah. three players back to the Bowling Green Hot Rods, and the Bowling Green Hot Rods then knocked out the Lugnuts in a couple of four to three tight games and are now playing for the Midwest League Championship. Vidal Brujan, Carl Chester, John Later, Salinas. We're all going, oh, <laughs> but Charlotte wasn't playing for the playoffs. So Tampa Bay said must, these guys can help contend for a title. Yeah, it must have been must have been karma. <laughs> hey, at Jim Tara on Twitter, Jim Tara Bokia, voice of the Dunedin Blue Jays. Thank you so much for your insights all year long. Hey, thank you, Jesse. Great job again this year, man. Hey, you got it. And from Jim, let's jump up the ladder up to the International League AAA, the voice of the herd, Pat Malacaro, finishing up his very first season as the number one voice of the Buffalo Bisons. Pat, how was it in the end? Well, Jesse, you know, it was a struggle for the team on the field over the last 11 games to, to set a new franchise record losing streak. But honestly, it was still a lot of fun to be around this club every day. And uh, a lot of those players have now made it up to the big leagues, some of them for their first September call-up um, to, to the majors. So uh, even though it was a struggle for the players over the last week and a half, uh, definitely had some fun and enjoying the riding the wave of seeing a lot of these guys succeed at the next level. Let me ask you about that 11-game losing streak before we go into our postseason honors. You're AAA, and so you're having player after player after player get called up to the major leagues. That's affecting you. That's affecting your starting lineup and your rotation and your bullpen. How difficult is that for a team? Yeah, it's very difficult. And we've talked before about how opening five starting rotation from opening day was gone by the time uh, Chris Raleigh was put on waivers and claimed by Texas. 
Um, and really, you know, a guy like Sean Reed Foley was an anchor of the rotation uh, from June on. Well, Sean made his big league debut, and, you know, he made two starts in the big leagues with option down. And with the Blue Jays wanting to conserve his innings over the last month of the season, he only pitched once where he could have pitched at least twice. Um, pitched once okay uh, against Rochester in one of the games of the losing streak in part of the doubleheader and then sort of sat for a couple of days and went back to the big league. So um, that just kind of, that's kind of the way it was over the last really two weeks, three weeks of the season. And then you've got guys going up and down the shuttle a little bit. Um, you know, Tim Mesa was up and down all year long. He went back up and didn't come back at any point over the last couple of weeks. So there were some guys that definitely who, who had good seasons uh, in Buffalo that were not there and probably could have helped snap the losing streak by the end. Let's talk about your team as a whole, postseason awards. I'm asking about most outstanding position player, pitcher, and biggest surprise. So for your 2018 Buffalo Bisons, who is your most outstanding position player? Uh, it's got to be Danny Jansen. He, he did everything asked of him and then some this year, not only going to the All-Star game, being a postseason International League All-Star Futures game, but uh, just the way he went about his business in YouTube, you know, being healthy, and putting himself, really establishing himself on the radar for Blue Jay fans over the first couple of months of the season. But by the end, even though he wasn't with the team for the final almost month of the year, still finished in the team lead in RBIs with 58, um, still a high batting average. Um, but I think he definitely he exceeded some expectations or then he, uh, reached the expectations he held for himself. Your most outstanding pitcher this season? Sean Reed Foley, without a doubt. He came to Buffalo, had a couple of shaky starts at the beginning of his tenure um, in May, but after those two outings, he was electric, uh, good slider. Bob Stanley would have liked to have seen him throw a slider a little bit more or change up a little bit more, excuse me, uh, change up. So if he, if he really commands that pitch, he'll be even more dominant at the next level. You know, Do we see him start next year in Buffalo? Uh, I think that's probably the most likely outcome for Sean just because I don't know if he can have four or five guys as your um, your starting rotation next year, all under the age of 25 or 25 range. So I expect Sean to be back next year and to build on what was a very nice bounce back year, uh, both in double A and triple A. And then who is the most surprising player to you? Pitcher, position player, doesn't matter. The player who exceeded your expectations. Jose Fernandez out of the bullpen to me was a guy who we really didn't know much about, a uh, young left-hander, uh, who came up and struggled uh, at the start. He struggled to throw a slider for a strike or at least to get guys to chase it, and that forced him to throw his fastball a lot. And as you know, the, the higher you go up in levels, um, if you're not working both, at least two of your pitches well, you're going to get hit. So he struggled at the start, but leaving Buffalo, uh, I believe it was an 18 and a third inning uh, scoreless string by the time he went up to the big leagues and then made a couple appearances without giving up a run uh, for the Blue Jays as well. So he, he's a guy that really worked through uh, throwing his slider for a strike, setting guys up, and then using his, his fastball, which is mid-90s, um, and has some good movement on it. So I think for, for him, he was the biggest surprise because um, of how it started and how he finished his year in Buffalo. When you look back upon the season as a whole, Pat, were there any games that really specifically stood out to you? Uh, in, in a good way or a bad way, I think in a bad way, uh, a loss right out of the all-star break at Lehigh Valley, uh, where the Bisons at two different times had a seven-run lead and then could not 
um, could not survive. They ended up losing 14-13. That was kind of the, the point where um, you just knew that there are certain games throughout the year where you can look back and say that you should have had that one. Um, now they ended up finishing uh, last in the league, but that to me was a game where you just look back at the end of the season. It just it still sticks with you in a bad way. In a good way, I go back to the beginning of the year. Buffalo was uh, postponed three straight days. The herd didn't play a game uh, in Rochester. Then they go to Pawtucket, and the temperature wasn't great, but they were able to win their first game of the season. Uh, it was an extra innings, but uh, after a team that sat for three extra days with basically just throwing and uh, throwing on in the concourse of Frontier Field in Rochester and hitting in a cage at times uh, to shake off the rust, uh, maybe it's just me calling, calling my first game as the uh, full-time voice of the Bisons, but that game definitely sticks out. <laughs> I can imagine why that would do it, but wow, what a memory. All right, let's look ahead to next year to wrap everything up. Who's the 2018 Bison that you're looking forward to seeing how 2019 treats them? I'm looking forward to seeing what the roster looks like next year. Uh, you know, as as we record this right now, New Hampshire is a one game to none lead uh, in their postseason series, and I expect to see a lot of those key players a lot of the key contributors graduating to the next level. What does that mean for this Bison roster, which for a second year in a row really was kind of in flux? You know, a guy like Jason Lovlevigian or take Christian Lopes in 2017, Tim Lopes here in 18. A lot of guys that are nice players, guys that I would like to have. I'd love to have Jason Lovlevigian back for a third year here in Buffalo. But, you know, as a six-year free agent, uh, does he find greener pastures somewhere else? And where does that leave? Uh, the Bisons next year when you've got guys that have performed down at the lower levels and are ready to maybe graduate up. So I'm really, I'll be interested to see what the off season looks like and what the 2019 roster makeup really looks like uh, before, uh, before, uh, you know, the games start being played on April 4th. The voice of the herd at Pat WGR on Twitter, Pat Malacaro, Pat, we had heard from you in cameo performances in years past. It was really good to talk to you all throughout this summer. Likewise, Jesse. I enjoyed it. And, uh, can't wait for us to get it started in 2019. Enjoy the offseason. I love it. You too. And from Pat Malacara in AAA Buffalo, let me bring in Tyler Zickel. Because you just heard Pat mention how New Hampshire is playing. So we are going to hear it right in the thick of things. They're up one game to none right now as we currently hold this, as I'm talking to you today, leading in that Eastern Division Championship Series or Eastern League Championship Series. Zick, how are you, my man? Jesse, I'm doing so well. Greetings from Canal Park here in Akron, Ohio, where the Fisher Cats are going for a Game 2 win after a thrilling Game 1 victory in 10 innings last night against the second-best pitching staff in the circuit. Cats feeling real good right now with four wins in the playoffs after sweeping the Trenton Thunder to get to this championship series. And as we all know, first time in the postseason for the Cats since their championship season in 2011. So the vibe is good. It's cautious optimism because, as we know, anything can happen in a five-game series. But certainly looking forward to another exciting matchup tonight here at the home of LeBron James. So interesting to me. Dave Wilson is the voice of Akron. And he filled in earlier this season for Pat for AAA Buffalo Bison's broadcast, so he actually came on the show. So he's a good friend. I'm hoping he's well, but I'm not hoping that he comes away with that W still. Let's talk about your Fisher Cats over the course of the regular season and hand out some awards. Your 2018 New Hampshire Fisher Cat Most Outstanding Position Player is... 
Well, I'm going to mimic the voting from the media and the coaching staffs from the Eastern League and say Kevin Biggio simply because of all of the big at-bats that he had throughout this season. This is a guy who batted nearly 350 with runners in scoring position in the regular season and certainly a guy who did it all season long for the Cats. And when you're playing on a team with Vladimir Guerrero Jr., as everybody on this Fisher Cats roster was for those 60 games plus that Vlad was here with us, I think Kevin stayed steady, stayed consistent, and as we know, led the league in home runs as well. So for me, Biggio is the first guy that I would say, but a late consideration, almost an 11th hour candidate, if you will, would be Max Benicott as the Cats down the stretch, scuffling a little bit as it related to their first three months of the season. August was a sub-500 month, but Max was named Eastern League August Player of the Month, and he did so with an impressive performance at the plate. Seems like every night he was coming up with a big hit and had a couple of crucial home runs, one to clinch a postseason spot and another to erase the only deficit the Fisher Cats faced in that Eastern Division Championship Series against Trenton. The Cats were down one nothing in Game 2 after a half inning, and then Pentecost did a three-run home run in the bottom of the first. So for me, Cavan and Max, those two guys who stand out the most. And you know what? I'm feeling generous, so i got to also mention John Birdie's <laughs> addition to the team, simply because when you add a veteran presence like that, you can see the effect that he had, not just on his fellow position players, but on the entire club. So, Kevin 1A, Max 1B, and John Birdie 1C. I'm going to have a hard time picking a favorite child once I have kids someday, if I'm so lucky. I hope you don't pick a favorite child. You're not supposed to. (laughs) (laughs) Most outstanding pitcher 2018 New Hampshire Fisher Cats, go. For me, it's T.J. Zoic. Every fifth day, you were going to get somebody who was going to give you a professional start. Seems like he made it through at least five innings in just about every turn when his name was called. And he was on the mound last night here in his home state of Ohio. And that's saying something for a guy who is not here with the Cats for the start of the season. He was promoted from advanced aid to Eden about a month after the season began. So for me, T.J. Zoic having that commanding presence at six foot seven on the bump every fifth day. I did not envy Eastern League hitters this year with TJ on the mound. And your most surprising player who exceeded your expectations? You know, that's a really great question. And I think for me, that would be, hmm, I think Harold Ramirez this year is a guy we knew had a lot of talent, but after an injury shortened 2016, when he joined the Blue Jays organization after the trade from Pittsburgh. And then last year, just didn't seem to be able to figure it out, but he led the league, as we know, in batting average, batted 320 in the regular season, is continuing to romp in the postseason. So for me, Harold was not a guy that I targeted as one of those playmakers and one of those guys who would certainly be the engine behind this offense, but Harold's consistency at the dish all season long speaks volumes to the work he did in the offseason and his continued commitment to his craft at the plate. Speaking with Tyler Zickel, talking about the AA New Hampshire Fisher Cats currently vying for the Eastern League Championship. Over the course of the 2018 regular season, Tyler, you saw all the games. Was there a game that stands out in your mind? I think just for the enjoyment of it was the two-home run game that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. had against the Portland Sea Dogs. I think that was back in May. They're all starting to run together here on September 12th, but he hit one of them <laughs> off the hotel that's out there in left center field. That was a big moment. But I also think that 
Uh, John Birdie's walk-off inside the park home run against the Erie Seawolves was certainly a moment to remember. And you've played the clip on Around the Nest before, as Tyler Murray had to call for that one. But if you want to talk about just pure excitement, John Birdie going all the way around the bases for the Cats to win the game in a walk-off fashion, certainly one of the most exciting games of this season. Tyler underscore Zickel on Twitter is how to find him. Tyler Murray, Bob Lipman, big thanks to everybody there with the New Hampshire Fisher Cats. And best of luck, Zick. Here's hoping that you guys win. Jesse, thank you very much. Tyler Murray is here with me in Akron. It's the TNT Show, and we certainly invite anybody tuned in to Around the Nest today to listen to the game tonight here in Akron, 6.35 p.m. first pitch. Of course, New Hampshire 1-0 entering tonight, so have a chance to return home for Friday's game with a two-game lead. But, of course, we're not going to put the cart or the cat before the horse. So certainly going to look forward to a good one tonight. And, Jesse, also just want to show our thanks, me and Tyler's generosity. Thank you. The gratitude, that is, for all the work you put in for Around the Nest each and every week. So thanks for having us, and go Caps. Absolutely. They were all 2017 Florida State League champions with Dunedin. We'll see if we can make them 2018 Eastern League champions. It's been such a great run. Tyler Zickel and the New Hampshire Fisher Cats. And that concludes Around the Nest for the 2018 campaign. Around the Nest is done. Big thanks to the minor leaguer. Big, big thanks. And to Tom and Bluebird Banter. And to you for tuning in. And keeping us company, whether you're subscribing, whether you're listening, whether you're clicking, whether you're asking your questions, thank you very much on Twitter at Around Nest. Now, there are a couple of things that I'd like to insert before we officially call it a season. For starters, Nate Pearson pitched for the Lansing Lugnuts against the Michigan State Spartans. The Crosstown Showdown presented by Auto Owners Insurance. It was Pearson on the mound. It was also Adam Kloppenstein and Joel Frank Concepcion and Noswell Polino. And after the game, Dante DeCaria had the chance to catch up with Clough. I had the chance to catch up with Nate Pearson. And the minor leaguer posted both of the interviews on a Bluebird banter. But here, in case you missed it, here is Nate Pearson. This is Jesse Goldberg-Strassler, joined by Nate Pearson. And Nate, when you first heard, you're going up to Lansing for an exhibition game against Michigan State. What did you think? Uh, I was kind of... I was kind of just like I didn't really know what to expect because I mean I missed all all year I haven't really thrown any innings but uh, once I learned more about it I was like man it's gonna be a good opportunity opportunity for me to go up and get some innings and uh, see some guys I haven't seen in a while so it's really fun. When was it that you first came back to the mound? Uh, this was my actually first game back uh, back out there so I had a couple live VPs but it wasn't like any game setting so this is my first like in game setting so it was pretty awesome. Okay, so first batter, you hit him. <laughs> Breaking ball get away? Yeah, it was uh, my first slider. Tried to try to rip it in there, but uh, kind of went wide on me. But um, uh, kind of plunked him pretty good, but I was able to settle in after that, so that was good. Fielder's choice, fielder's choice. And then the strikeouts began. <laughs> How are you feeling? Uh, I felt pretty good. You know, I got off to a little bit of a slow start, but um, I was able to get everything working and settled in pretty good. When you say everything working, fastball was there, slider was there, changeup was there? Uh, changeup wasn't really there today, but I was able to get both uh, my breaking balls, slider and curveball in there for strikes, so it was good. Had you ever worked with Jose Ferreira before? No, this is uh, he caught one of my live EPs down in, uh, down in Dunedin, but this is my first time throwing to him in a game. So. Did you talk to him before the game? Yeah, I mean, we, uh, we, we chatted. We got all our signals down together, and uh, he was able to get used to like, the velocity and everything. Uh, but uh, it, was, it was good. He's an awesome guy. It's not college. You're, you're, in minor league baseball, it's an exhibition, but it's taking on a college team. 
did it feel at all like college baseball? Um, yeah, I mean, I could always tell when I was facing college hitters rather than professionals, but it was it was st- it was still good to face those hitters. You know, even though they're in, they're in college and more professional, they're still like the same age as us, so I was able to face those guys, and it was good. What has it taken for you to get back on the mound? Uh, a lot of perseverance. You know, I missed this whole year with injuries, uh, mainly injury I couldn't really control. So uh, it was able to I was able to just per- persevere over that. Kept strong in my faith and. Uh, I was able to get back out of here. Was there a part of your body that you were testing tonight to make sure that it was ready to go? I mean, I wasn't really trying to test my velo, but it showed up pretty good today. So was, uh, that's always good. Do you know when you're throwing 102? Or is that something that people just tell you about afterward? Uh, I don't really usually know when when I hit 100 or or higher. But I know when if I get two strikes on a guy and I'm, he puts down the, the fastball sign, I'm probably throwing it as hard as I can trying to blow it by him. So that's always fun. What was this atmosphere like? It was it was great. I mean, we got a lot of great great fans out here uh, cheering for Michigan State and uh, a little bit for us too. So it was it was very neutral atmosphere, but it was awesome to be a part of. You fly in. There's some soft practices. What's the next step for you? Uh, go back down to Dunedin, uh, get ready for instructs, and then hopefully play winter ball somewhere. So we'll see. Do you know where you have to pack your bags for? Uh, I'm not 100% sure yet. They're still deciding for me. I think they're going to watch me through instructs and make that judgment, and uh, I'll just be ready to have my bags packed. So, Let me ask you, when Ryan Barucki came in, he and I talked about the rehab league and all the guys who get close together as everyone's working their way back. Who is part of your rehab league? Uh, we had so many guys. Uh, Matt Dermody, Mike Ellenbess, he was here last year. Uh, uh, Grayson Huffman. A bunch of all great dudes. Cullen Large, he was up here. Yeah. Cullen's a great friend of mine. He's really, we're really close. But uh, yeah, it was. We had a whole group. You know, we just kept each other uh, in line and uh, focused on the on the goals we had. So it was it was great. Did you make special shirts this year? Yeah, we have. They haven't came in yet, but we uh, we're we're gonna have them ready for instructs and everything. So Nate, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for having me. So that's one treat for you. Conversation with Nate Pearson on his way back. He's the guy that I can't wait to see what he does in 2019. There was a request given to me by the minor leaguer because in that game, managing the Lansing Lugnuts was the manager of the Gulf Coast Blue Jays, Luis Hurtado. I asked him about the players who came in for the game. I also asked him about the players who didn't come in, what his thoughts were. Here's a conversation with GCL manager Luis Hurtado about the lowest level, the rookie league, Gulf Coast League Blue Jays. This is Jesse Goldberg-Strassler, joined by Gulf Coast Blue Jays manager, former Lansing Lugnuts catcher, Lugnuts coach here for the Crosstown Showdown and for the playoff series, Luis Hurtado. Luis, welcome back to Lansing. Thank you, Jesse. Thank you. It's it's glad to be here again uh, in the beautiful city of Lansing. There's a lot of memories coming to my mind, um, but one of the things like I'm always appreciated is you always be there. And you always like take the time to to give me that the interview and give me the chance to talk to you and talk to to the fans, like Lansing Lagnos fans. Thank you, Luis. Let's talk about your Gulf Coast season. How did things work out for your Blue Jays this year? What did you enjoy? One of the things that I enjoyed the most was that that you got a, a a really young group of guys this year. We got guys like 17 years old, 18 years old, coming from Dominican. Also, we got a, the, our first round pick this year, uh, coming from high school. The, the 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 good thing is, you see him, you see that 
the player's development as a person, and then more, most like you're looking for is more as a baseball player. So it was great to 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 do the best of me with those kids, especially trying to develop them um, on the field and off the field too. It was amazing to me. You had a period of time this year. I would look into your box scores, and I would see rehabbing Vladimir Guerrero Jr., rehabbing Logan Warmoth, and there's Jordan Groshans, and there's Miguel Araldo, and there's Leonardo Jimenez. What kind of talent would you watch on a daily basis? Yeah, that was that was exciting to watch those kids. The way that he, they play, the way like like they go to, by the business, like they're they're looking like a, we got some so many talent in, in our organization right now. That's really really nice to see every single day. And I was I was glad I was glad that I, I, that I have those players in my team. How is Jordan Groshans, the first rounder? He's a great kid. He's a great kid. Um, he's got he's got a go, long ways to, to to grow up as a as a baseball player. But he's got he's got the tools. He's got the kill the skills. He can he can control the barrel, control his barrel most of the time. And then defensively, he's he's made some good strikes and good improvement defensively wise too. Some more of your infielders. How's Leonardo Jimenez? Hemi is one of those guys like you. When you get uh, Hemi, Hemi in the lineup, you say like, you you're you're safe and he's playing hard the whole time. And defensively, he's one of the smartest guys I've never seen for his age. He makes some like smart plays that you never like you never thought about it for a kid like 17 years old. So he's great kid, great great defensive player, makes some strides hitting wise too. Um, but we got like he's he got a great talent too. Another high school draftee. How's Addison Barger? Wow, I call him the the warrior. <laughs> he's he's one of the guys like uh, I'm, when you get a you got Addison Barger in your lineup, you see him like he's gonna he's gonna work his ass off all the time, man. He's he play hard. He can play second, short, third, and he never complains about anything. He's really hot. And then it's not it's not easy to play in the GCL because of the weather. He always one of the guys. I, I think he plays almost like 49 games at the 53. Mm-hmm. So he probably he just rest like four or five fake five games. He didn't play, and then he always was ready to play every single day and run hard and play hard. So uh, I was glad that that, that I met and I, I coached Addison Barger this year. Another player, player that came with you to Lansing. How's Miguel Hiraldo? Hiraldo, he's um he's a young kid. He got really good tools, uh, good arm. He's got some power too. Uh, he started his season in Dominican. He went to Dominican. He got success in Dominican. He's he he showed measure, and then I ha- I got him the last two weeks of the season, and then he was the guy like he can really play def- defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, he improved a lot in his throwing accuracy. That was one of the things like, he needs to, to work on it. And as soon as he get back from Dominican, he he showed improvements on his def- in his throws and his defense too. So really good talent, power, uh, and his approach. He's one of the best. One he's got better when when he came back from Dominican. Heraldo's here along with a number of the other players that you coached. How about Jose Rivas? Rivas, a uh, little kid, uh, play second base. Uh, he's he's fun. He's fun to watch. 
he's one of the guys like um, you 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 never like you never wait to see something good on him. He runs hard. He always makes the, the little things bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I got one of the things like uh, I never I never I never I never see before. Yeah. Uh, he stole home play in my last game of the season. Straight steal. <laughs> Straight steal. So that's I never saw that before, and then he did it. So he's really fun to watch. Were you coaching third base at the time? Yeah, I was coaching third base, and I was completely like surprised. <laughs> I was like, "What he's doing?" And as soon as he he took off, and he's he's dolphin home play, and the compire goes safe, I say, "Well, <laughs> thanks, God." <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you about a couple of the outfielders, Stuart Barroa and John Solarte. Well, basically, Barroa, that's the guy like you always want to have in the lineup. Like he's a guy, like he's your leadoff guy. He can be leadoff guy, or he can he can be the, your nine hole hitter. Uh, speed guy. He stole like 17 bases this year. Uh, really good kid. He's a, he always like he he never give up. Never. He always one of those guys like you want to be in, in your team. He always like trying to 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 root for the team. He's one of the best teammates that I haven't seen as a player, as a coach right now. Then the players love him. Um, the way that he play, he plays hard every time. He run uh, hard nineties, basically ninety for ninety. So he never give up. So he's good kid, uh, good outfielder, strength, uh, good good arm. He can play all three outfielders. We got him today in center field, but um, he can play left. He can play right. And also, this year he played couple t- couple games at second base, and he did it pretty good. So he can he can move it around. He's a good talent too. John Solarte. Uh, Solarte, I never I, I didn't see him too much this year because he wasn't Dominican. But uh, I've been I've been I've been working out with him the last the last week and a half. Mm-hmm. So he's showing like. He's he's enjoying the game. So yeah. when you get when you get a, a guy like enjoy the game, like he always smiling. He he wants to get better. He wants to to do the the, the, the things right. So that's that's that show you something. And then that's what he showed me already. It's the smiling in his face, the 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 the, the things like he wants to be better. Um, working out better and do the right things show like he's a, a good a good player either like I didn't see him play so that was going to be my first time watching him play today and of the pitchers Williams Moreno what stood out to you Williams is a get like uh, when he's get a when he's get a head he's a he's a good kid he can he can throw a fastball he's got a good bre- good breaking ball um, the key for him is get ahead Mm-hmm. If he's get ahead of, of the hitters, he's he's gonna be really good. Um, and then also we got him from Dominican too. Yeah, Adam Klopfenstein, I think you saw for two appearances. Yeah, uh, I saw him. We saw him this year for two appearances. Uh, he threw two innings this year t- for us. He's got a good sinker. Mm-hmm. He's got like four pitches. He's got slider, breaking ball, changeup. And then good sinker. So he's one of the, he was our third round pick. He threw ninety two to ninety six. Um, he's he's pretty good talent too in this organization. Did you see Joel Frank Concepcion last year? Yeah, he was with me in the GCL last year. He's a big tall guy. He's got power. He's he's overpowered sometimes at the fastball, but 
when he's command his fastball really good, he's unhittable because he throw over 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 arm slide. Mm -hmm. So he's um, he's really difficult to to hit against him. How hard does he throw? He's probably hit sometimes 98 to 99, 96, but basically his average is 94. 94 and hit sometimes 96, 97. With Luis Hurtado, manager of the Gulf Coast Blue Jays this year, which players did not come with you who you were impressed by this past season? Well, um, Addison Barger. What what, what, Addison Barger was one of the guys like... Uh, I I will I would like to to bring over here, but um, uh, he's he's going to to instructional lead next in a couple of days, so he's he's taking the off off day. Um, but um, we got good good group of guys. We got Moreno. Yeah. He wasn't early in the season. He finished in Bluefield, um, and we got uh, Lantigua. So basically, we got a good group of guys this year that that stand out to me and then help me a lot. And the and the and the, and the season. Luis, thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it. No, thank you, JC, again, and then uh, it was great to, to be here again with the Lansing fans. And then, well, just come to the ballpark, enjoy, and then wait for for the playoff series too. It's an exciting time of year, Luis Hurtado. I'm Jesse Goldberg-Strasser, and this is Lugnuts Baseball. You thought that we had finished around the nest, not yet. We have one more conversation still to fit in before we wrap up 2018. And that is because the New Hampshire Fisher Cats are the Eastern League champions. Hello, Tyler Murray. Jesse, hello. Thank you for having me on. And yeah, what a, what a way to wrap up another great season of around the Have you already gone in for your ring fitting? Um, yes. Uh, the, one of the very first things we had to do at the end of uh, the night was uh, size everybody for their rings because those guys were on a 9 a.m. bus to Logan Airport the next morning. So it was, uh, we'll need your jersey back. Yeah, we got it all what figured out. What a whirlwind. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, with this Fisher Cats team, from start to finish, what fun. And you did not have that much roster turnover. You knew at some point that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was going to come up. And he received some guys from down below. So Sean Reed Foley ascends to the major leagues. Vladdy Jr. goes up to AAA. But in general, you had your roster from opening day all the way through the championship. It's so true. I don't think I've ever seen from start to finish a core group of players stay together like we saw this year. And even guys who went up to AAA for a little bit, like Gunnar Height and Andrew Guillot, they were eventually returned to New Hampshire to be a part of the playoff run, and they certainly had a major impact. But we still got to see those big moments for former Fisher Cats in the major leagues, like Danny Jansen, as you mentioned, Sean Reed Foley debuting together. So that was incredibly special. But you're right, to have most of the roster from April still be here in September to win the championship, uh, that made it even more fun. They didn't just win the championship. They steamrolled. <laughs> uh, throughout the postseason, are you thinking to yourself, we are never going to lose again? That was kind of the mantra. Uh, during the regular season, it was, uh, we're really good. And in postseason, the guys kept saying, we never lose. We always win. And it turned out to be true. And I think Blue Jays fans are going to be excited about uh, the particulars of the playoffs because it gave these guys a chance to show what they can do in major league situations, in big league clutch situations. So, so let's say there's two outs. The pitcher cats need a hit or at least need a professional quality at bat. And just about every time in those six playoff games, they would deliver. And more than anything, 
It was the big-time starting pitching performances. And then the bullpen. John Schneider, I can tell, had a lot of fun managing this bullpen like it was a big league situation. You bring in Dusty Isaacs to get one righty, and then maybe Kirby Snead for an inning and a third to get a few lefties. And these guys all just responded so well. And there were very few leads given up in the entire series, and it was a big part of the bullpen making that happen. That bullpen depth as well, able to reach deep in and get an Isaacs or get a Snead, get a Jackson McClellan, get a Corey Copping, and you just knew that Travis Bergen was going to be at the end to lock it down if you needed him. I mean, looking at last year, we had Andrew Case, who was a tremendous closer and a major difference maker for the 2017 Fisher Cats. And when he wasn't quite right in 2018, uh, there was a, maybe a little bit of panic in the fan base, certainly uh, for Tyler Zickel and myself, big Andrew Case fans in the broadcast booth. But to have Travis Bergen emerge like that, to have that one reliable guy at the back end of the bullpen, I mean, that means everything. And everyone seemed to follow suit. And like I say, with just the opportunity to go out there uh, for a couple of pitches and give everything you got, uh, a, a very solid uh, group of relief pitchers, uh, they turned into phenomenal uh, supporting cast behind the starters uh, in the postseason. It was really impressive to see. And meanwhile, that offense. So Max Pentecost was coming through for big hit after big hit toward the end of the year. Harold Ramirez stepped it up to another level. Uh, Harold Ramirez, I mean, it's almost tough to explain how much better he's been. I mean, the line drive hitting has always been there, but now it's the consistency. It's the routine. There were a few things Harold would do before the games for us, you know, interviews, talk to kids, things like that, because he's a great guy. But this year it was, I got my routine, man. We got to get locked in. And it was, uh, it made a difference, I guess. I mean, his ability to have a good at-bat just about every time was a major difference. But as you know, it was really July and August when, when he stepped things up to get to that league-best 320 batting average. And, I mean, Max Pentecost, what, what a phenomenal turnaround for him. Um, and I'm hoping it's just a matter of being healthy and being consistent because that's what he was for most of this year, certainly in the second half. And he had the home run to send us to the playoffs, and he had the three-run homer in game two against Trenton to overcome the Fisher Cats' first deficit of that entire series, and their only deficit, as it turns out. So, I mean, Max is big time, and he's been getting better every day behind home plate as well. Did the addition of John Birdie during the season change the Fisher Cats? The addition of John Birdie was so big. And at the time, even though I'm a huge John Birdie fan, well, it'll be nice to have him back in town. The fans love him. He'll be a good veteran leader for this team. Um, And, of course, it came right as Vlad Jr. got injured, so he needed a third baseman. And, man, for, for John, I think it changed everything because he had one of the best second halves of his entire career, and he'll be a tremendous asset on the free agent market. And for the Fisher Cats, it was so huge. They had a guy who you could bat first, you could bat last. You could put him just about anywhere on the field as well. And he's hitting 300 all year. And, and again, we go back to what John Schneider always says, those uh, professional at-bats, he would have it every time up there. And uh, He won uh, the title with Schneider in the – well, it wasn't with Schneider, I don't think, in 2011 with the Vancouver Canadians. It was with him. So, uh, and again, maybe to cap off his Blue Jays career, uh, he gets one again here in 2018. So pretty special stuff. Have you had the chance to talk with your Fisher Cats about that, about the guys who maybe won the championships back then? Uh, John Schneider with the championship experience, and all of the players who won back-to-back, who won in 2017 with the Dunedin Blue Jays, and now this year in the Eastern League. Oh, yeah, the narrative entering this playoff run, because it was against the Yankees' double-A affiliate in Trenton, is we got these guys again, because Tampa Yankees, now the Tarpons, 
was the opponent in the Florida State League playoff last season. So uh, Snyder always felt like he, his players had an advantage, and he seemed to have a pretty good read on the manager, Jay Bell, who managed against him last year, and they both got promoted this year and made the playoffs again. So, I mean, you can tell why the Blue Jays like John Snyder because at multiple levels now he's creating championship culture. And, yes, the players have so much to do with it in this game, but uh, for these guys to continue their winning ways and living up to these high expectations at a lot of different levels in the organization, it only says good things about the leadership on this team at different levels. At what point did you say, we're going to win the championship? At what point did we know the title was in hand? Well, I think you didn't want to let yourself get too excited, but when the Cats went up 2 nothing in Akron, uh, it was very unlikely they were going to drop three in a row coming back home. And uh, the ability to, to get there quickly, great travel arrangements, and uh, the Rubber Ducks having to, I guess they got into Manchester at midnight before the game after an all-day bus ride. Um, that's when the team was feeling pretty good. Um, and in the game itself, the uh, Fisher Cats scored two runs, in a, two runs in three consecutive innings. Jordan Romano was pitching more than well enough to get the win. It just uh, it just kept rolling that way. So I would say when uh, when they got those first two games, only one team in our league since 2004 has overcome a 2-0 deficit in the playoff series. So uh, right around then you knew it was pretty much in hand. When you get to see guys for a full year, you really get a feel for who they are as guys and who they are as ball players. How many of these Fisher Cats do you think have major league futures and especially impact major league futures? I think we learned so much about the bullpen in the playoffs, but I have to add to my list of guys who can be impact players in the major leagues. But uh, the everyday talents that we've seen, everyone knows about Bo Bichette. I think Captain Biggio is well on his way. I think it was Jonathan Mayo's surprise prospect of the year, which makes sense because he didn't have him listed on the Blue Jays' top 30, and now he has him in the top 10. So that would that would make sense. Um, Honestly, if you can keep the, the core of this group together, I mean, you can look at five to ten guys who, uh, even for the Blue Jays in the next couple of years, could have a real impact. And it's uh, it's turned from what I think some people would agree was a, a somewhat thin system with some major highlights um, into one of the best in baseball. I remember last year, Jesse, the Fisher Cats had six of the Blue Jays' top eight prospects, with the two outliers being Bo Bichette and Vlad Jr., and they had their worst season in franchise history. Uh, and that's the fault of the, all the players necessarily with plenty of changes along the way. And a manager who was fired after the season ended. But, I mean, this year he had a similar prospect pedigree, and the results are far better. Could you feel the difference in the clubhouse throughout the summer? Yes, because John, John Schneider is a player's first manager. Um, he has a lot of requests that – are a pleasure to fulfill because you know it's for the team, you know it's for that winning culture, and you know it's for John Schneider. He's just a terrific guy, and it's uh, no surprise that he's uh, he's made it as far as he has here. And he's got he's got everyone has their eye on the major leagues, and he wants to continue bringing these guys up to a place that uh, I think we all know they deserve to be in the show. But uh, yeah, we'll see what uh, what next year has in store. Tell you a request that he had with the Lansing Lugnuts was every single day we'd bring his iPad up. And we would set it up, and that would provide the playlist for BP, and then we'd bring it right back down. What were his requests with you? <laughs> yeah, he, he still does that. He, he still makes it happen, the, uh, the batting practice playlist. Um, and that was a matter of changing it up until they got on a winning streak. So he made a special playoff one. Of course, that worked uh, to perfection. Six wins, no losses. 
I know it's just it's just every day he wakes up it feels like thinking about what can we do to make this team successful? What little advantages can we get over other teams to get this team a better chance to win? And he's analyzing spin rate, he's analyzing launch angle, uh, the way pitchers throw, the way hitters swing. How does that match up in my starting nine today? How can I get the advantage there? And it's, it's, it's things have been requested like sleeper buses, things along those lines, which isn't really heard of in our league, and it hasn't happened yet. But uh, those those are the things he, he's trying to consider to see how to get the upper hand, which uh, you have to appreciate. In the final conclusion, now that you've seen him for a full year, how good is Bo Bichette? How good is Bo Bichette? What a great question. It takes a while to answer. I think Bo made huge strides this year because he wasn't dominant from start to finish. I mean, he did 362 a season ago. He comes in, and he said multiple times throughout the year he did not expect to struggle, so he has learned so much about what it takes to adjust, what it takes to make those changes as the season goes along, and you certainly need to do that at the major league level as pitchers figure out what you're doing and how they can best attack you. So um, the ups and downs he had from this season, and when I say downs, I don't know. I mean, he had maybe a week or two combined the entire season where he wasn't an elite hitter. Uh, but that's really going to help him going forward. And what I was impressed with, last year he went one for 11 in the playoffs, of course had an impact, but just the one hit in that three-game series. Here he was in the top three consideration for playoff MVP. He might have been our best player in the series against Trenton, but it was Harold Ramirez winning the MVP because he just uh, blew the doors off of Akron as well. So I mean, Bo Bichette's going to be absolutely fine. People have asked, is he a shortstop? Is he a second baseman? I think he could be a big league second baseman for sure. But he gets better, of course, every day at the shortstop position if that's where the Blue Jays want to put him. Ramirez was one of a few guys who was acquired via trade from your team. So I'm wondering about a couple of the others who were in your starting lineup. What did you think about, uh, now that you've seen Forrest Wall, and a much, uh, you've seen him more, now that you've seen Santiago Espinal more, what did the Blue Jays get when they acquired those two? They've got great organizational depth with a very high upside, especially on Forrest Wall. He didn't do a ton at the plate in the opening round series, but he had the game-winning hit in the 10th inning in game one against Akron, and he told MILB.com that was probably the most important hit of his career. So, I mean, he's a guy who cares. He works extremely hard. He had a home run in his first game with the Fisher Cats in his old stadium after getting traded from clubhouse to clubhouse and the yard goes to the Fisher Cats. So that was huge. And you could just tell he loved being a part of the Blue Jays organization. It's not easy for everybody to change systems, to change locations, but uh, he was childhood teammates with Bo Bichette. He loved the atmosphere in the clubhouse. The forest wall is going to be a big impact with phenomenal center field defense as well. So he's, he's a real great pickup. And then Santiago Espinal doesn't do a lot of things wrong. I, I don't think there are any holes in his game. Maybe he's not elite at one particular thing, but – so you can see him continuing to develop and, and filling any hole, really, on, on a big league infield. A 2019 Fisher cat, and perhaps a future Blue Jay down the line, you got to see Joshua Palacios, who has moved up to you at the very end of the season. What did you see from Josh? Well, Josh is an instant favorite. He's a New York Knicks fan, so no issues there. And just the speed, the <laughs> fielding ability. He, his, first, uh, his first playoff hit was a, an RBI single. His next one was a bases-loaded three-run triple, and he just continues to produce. I mean, you can, you can see um, how exciting his talent is and, and the dynamic ability he can bring. So he's one of those electric players that we're looking forward to having uh, 
for maybe a month or two next year, but who knows if he continues playing well, he could be on his way quickly. And in your starting rotation, you got to see Sean Reed Foley and Ryan Barucki and Thomas Pannone too, for that matter. And now you're seeing what kind of starts all three of them are having for the Blue Jays at the major league level. So here comes the next wave. These men will likely reach the Blue Jays starting rotation in 2019, at the very least getting some good seasoning in Buffalo, but that would be their next step. So, T.J. Zoic, Jordan Romano, John Harris, your thoughts for 2019 and what kind of major league pitchers they could be down the road? Well, I'll start with T.J. Zoic. It's been said by more people than me. just carries himself like a big leaguer, looks like a big leaguer. He's huge. He's put together and just on the mound. He throws like one, no question about it. I mean, that sinker is a power pitch. It'll get him out of a lot of jams with ground ball double plays. And he has just gone into full attack mode on Eastern League hitters, and he was untouchable. He was probably my pick for playoff MVP with two dominant starts. He goes deep in games. The pitch count doesn't get too crazy on him. And what's impressive about him is in his first start of the championship round, game one at Akron, he walked two guys in a row in the first inning on four pitches each and wound up giving up a run, and you're thinking, "Uh uh-oh, what's going on here with T.J. Zoic? But then... He shuts it completely down. Akron doesn't score again for the rest of the ball game. And then you look back and, well, of course, T.J. flipped the switch. He locked in, and Akron had nothing of offense for the rest of the day. So that's, that's the kind of ability he has. And I, I, I kind of put John Harris and Jordan Romano in, in a similar group. They've got fastball, slider, changeup, and Harris has a curveball as well. They've improved so much this year working with Vince Horseman to, to cover the ball a little bit better, get their mechanics more consistent. And when they're in attack mode, like we just talked about with TJ, so like, they're so tough to hit. If Harris gets rolling, it works so quick. It's tough for hitters to get into a rhythm. And Romano, as we talked about plenty of episodes this year on Around the Nest, adding that changeup has been so big for him. So he's shown the ability to adjust, to add pitches, to continue improving. And he's such a great competitor that I don't think there's going to be much to, to keep him out of Toronto in the next year or so. With the voice of the people, Tyler Murray. Tyler, lastly, who's a player on your Fisher Cats this year that you think he could take the next step and be even better next year? That's a good question. Fisher Cat, who can take the next step to get even better. I mean, it's maybe it's a little bizarre, but Kevin Biggio comes to mind. I know he won MVP, but they're, they're still trying to get him throughout the year, the long summer that we have in baseball. Uh, to try to get those numbers consistently through. He hit a huge home run in the last game of the championship series. And now that I'm thinking about it, that might have been the nail in the coffin to, to realize Fisher Catsburg were going to win it. Um, that was his 27th home run of the year, but his first in over a month, August 15th. So he's a guy who, if fans can believe it, can get even better and, and take the step to being a surefire major leaguer. Because remember, he wasn't on the radar when the season began. So you want to make sure it's not just a flash in the pan. I'm confident it is not because he has such a great eye at the plate. 100 walks this year, a Fisher Cats record. But I think he can get even better, which uh, is really exciting. Tyler, thank you very much. That will officially wrap up Around the Nest for 2018. I hope you celebrate this championship like Alex Ovechkin. <laughs> Nobody can compare to Ovi's celebration, Jesse. But uh, it is raining hard here in New Hampshire. The skies are sad that Fisher Cats baseball is over, but uh, – they will be champions until somebody else wins in 2019. So thanks for, uh, for sharing the fun with us. The voice of the people himself, the Lieutenant Tyler Murray. 
best of luck to your New York Knicks. Thank you, Jesse. All the best, my friend. All right. So that'll do it. That'll do it officially. This has been Around the Nest. I'm Jesse Goldberg-Strassler at Around Nest on Twitter. We thank you very much for keeping us company. Enjoy the baseball. We'll enjoy the remainder of this Toronto Blue Jay season, and we'll catch you next April.